Can you hear me? Oh my gosh, I can hear you. <laughs> yes. Hey there, it's me, Brittany, and welcome to the Horrible Slave Podcast, where we have conversations that spotlight diverse perspectives, impact change, and amplify the experiences of everyday activists. In today's episode, we're connecting with Alice Neskisora to discuss Portland, Oregon's response to the death of George Floyd and the protests that ensued. We ran into some technical issues and the audio is by no means perfect, but we did have a great conversation. Allison brought a ton of valuable insight and I don't think the importance of the message was lost. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, welcome to Horrible Slave podcast. Um, this is Brittany, as you all know, and today we have a very special guest all the way from the Pacific Northwest, Allison Escasora. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I think we should fill everyone in on how we know each other and um, how we became Capricorn <laughs> yes. Solsters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would definitely agree. I think it's like such a unique story and one of my favorites. Okay, so basically I paid you to be my friend. That's by, that's what happened. I'm not cheap. I am not cheap. <laughs> no, she's not cheap at all. <laughs> For my wedding day, um, I got the pleasure of working with Allison and her team. And as cliche as it sounds, they really um, transformed my wedding day into one of the best days of my life. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure. You were you were really, really, really fun and, and easy to work with. Um, and yeah, so that, nope. that helped the process for sure. <laughs> no bridezilla here, y'all. No bridezilla. Not at all. Matter of fact, she sat in the back of my really teeny tiny car for about 20 minutes before she walked down the aisle with the AC blasted. So no bridezilla at all. <laughs> well, you did bring me tequila that I guzzled down right beforehand. I so. did. I did. <laughs> I couldn't but- complain. That's what they pay me the big bucks for. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and your experiences in Portland with everything that's been going on there. Uh, but first, I think it's kind of a historical day with Mr. Joe Biden announcing yes. Kamala Harris as his VP. I 100% agree with everything that you just said. It's a historical day. Um, and, and not only because she's a woman of color and it's going to help him expand, you know, everything that, that he's doing and, and helping with, um, I think that she's just one of the best public servants that are out there. And it's a really, really fantastic fit. Just seeing the transitions and how she's become even more progressive since her time as a DA and the, the milestones and the barriers that she's broken being the first woman DA in San Francisco and then. Uh, the first woman and black person to serve as the California attorney general. She's just killing the game. And I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that we can get some change. I'm channeling Obama with uh, talking about change, but (laughs) get some change in our country. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, this is his new Obama. So, but, but new and improved. Well, let's get into it. I'm I'm super excited (laughs) to talk to you about, um, Black Lives Matter. It's something that I believe strongly in. And once I saw everything that was going on in Portland, it just, you were one of the first people to come to my mind. And, um, so I just was wondering like what sparked your interest in the Black Lives Matter movement and why did you decide to get involved? 
Um, well, first of all, thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely hits really close to, to home here. Obviously you see, Mm -hmm. you see some stuff happening on, on the news in Portland. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into what's happening, what you're seeing on the news and what's actually happening a little later. But, um, what sparked my interest in getting involved and first of all, I'm going to say being as being an ally for, for black people, um, is because mm-hmm. I kind of got involved before BLM was became a thing um, because BLM um, didn't come to be until about 2015. So um, I think what started it was um, honestly um, Trayvon Martin being murdered mm-hmm. by George Zimmerman back in 2012. Um, I think that, I think that that happening, mm-hmm. um, I was a very, I was the same age as him. Um, and you know, I, where I come from, I, I grew up in a very, very small town of 98% white people. Um, and, and you're taught from a young age that racism was a thing of the past. Racism doesn't happen anymore. You know, <laughs> that was something that happened way back oh, in the yeah. 60s, which oh, yeah. when you're in high school, the Wait, 60s seemed like a long time ago, right? Why don't you uh, tell our audience, since they don't <laughs> so, have the, the pleasure of seeing your beautiful face or knowing you, like what your ethnic background is, just so that they're aware. Yeah, so I am um, mm-hmm. Filipino, um, Native yes. American, and white. So a beautiful, a mix. little a good mix, <laughs> <laughs> the perfect American mm-hmm. mutt, if you will. <laughs> and so that kind of became my main fuel for being a part of the movement. And then when I um, saw Trayvon Martin be murdered, um, it was like, okay, you know, this is this is still very much happening, um, and it's being a 17 year old brown girl Mm -hmm. in you know small town usa i need to i need to relearn what i have been taught um and really inform myself um and unfortunately the the recent murders of ahmaud arbery george floyd and brianna taylor have have given me and america even more insight um education and perspective and how deeply rooted this is in our society and I'm extremely angry and sad that anyone had to die for me um, or anybody else to understand our country's true history. So to go back to your question, I became involved in the BLM movement way back in 2012, but being an ally at all means that you're now part of the BLM movement. Trayvon Martin case, like that's something, you know, I was around his same age also and definitely shook me to the core. And then um, it seems like, like you said, Breonna Taylor, it's been 151 days since her murderers have gone free which is a whole different podcast topic and then Ahmaud Arbery all of those and George Floyd ultimately were catalysts for um, this awakening that happened during a global pandemic so thinking about that was it a difficult decision to like show your allyship during a pandemic I don't want to give away how you have done that but maybe explain um, how you've shown your support for the black community and this movement and tell us if it was difficult, a difficult decision to make during this time where we're all, you know, stuck at home, stay in place, like trying to stay safe and healthy. So right off the bat, the decision to support this and, and do it mm-hmm. in the ways that I did. No, it was not a hard decision. Um, and the ways that I've done that mainly is to use my voice and to practice my First Amendment right and in, in protesting on the streets. And the only tiny bit of, of the second, second, you know, thought that I had on it was I knew that by me going into the streets, 
being around and and when I first started I had mm-hmm. no idea how how many people would be there um I knew that when my grandmother finally made it home from the Philippines um which is a whole story in itself uh. I knew that I wouldn't be able to embrace her or hug her and that was that was a sacrifice I was I was willing to make to to use mm-hmm. my voice which mm-hmm. I believe is one of the and then tell us have, like so. how you you went into action like what what is it that you did why couldn't you give your grandmother a hug once she made her way back to the U.S. (laughs) you know it's interesting because Mm -hmm. because I knew I wanted to go and protest um you know the weekend before I started protesting right after George Floyd was murdered um Mm -hmm. there was Mm -hmm. riots all across the country (laughs) um obviously as as we saw and so that's what happened in Portland that weekend as well um and so, you know, that weekend it was kind of like, okay, like I'm, you know, not really ready yeah. to be out on the streets while riots are happening. I don't want to be any part of that. Um, but the the following week after, at least here in Portland, um, you could fel- feel a sense of, um, I don't know how to describe it, quite frankly. I, it's not something I've ever felt mm-hmm. before, a sense of like, mm-hmm. there's change happening and I want to be a part of it. And so um, I showed up to a protest without having any idea how many people were going to be there. Um, and it ended up being the most, one of the most iconic protests of all time. And that yes. was the one where we laid on the Burnside Bridge. Set the Sorry. scene for I'm going to cry talking scene. about it because it was really powerful. And um, if you got to cry, this is a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling my yeah. Oprah. <laughs> yeah no yes 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 girl thank you so much (laughs) um yeah so um that that particular day was the first day it started it was Tuesday um and June what was it June 1st June 2nd um and we showed up to a place called Revolution Hall in Portland Oregon and when we when I first showed up I was with two of my friends um and we were kind of like, okay, you know, like, I think I've, this was the first time anybody had really been right. out in a group setting besides going to the grocery store. Um, so at first we were all just looking at each other, like, are we really doing this? But um, I have to say it was, it was full of uh, love and positivity. And the best way I can describe it was <laughs> it was similar to being at a rave Mm -hmm. um everybody was there to support each other help each other um whether that meant hey you're not wearing a mask here's here's a mask for you to wear here here's some hand hand sanitizer here's snacks here's what we're gonna do here's here's um markers or paint and a sign to make what your poster and what you want to say um they had they had stations there to register to vote if you were not a registered voter there was 10,000 people. That's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so there's no way to explain it other than being there, what it's like to walk the streets with mm. 10,000 strangers yelling, hands yeah. up, don't Yeah, shoot. that sense of solidarity um, is you know so what I mean? powerful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and this is different than Mike, Mike Brown. This is different than Trayvon Martin. This is different than Tamir Rice. This is different than all of those people because we don't have any job to do. We don't have anything to do but to pay attention mm-hmm. and educate ourselves. Um, and you could feel that in the streets that day. Um, and, you know, laying, laying on the Burnside Bridge with 10,000 people with our, with our chests on the ground with masks on uh, our face yelling, I can't breathe for eight minutes and 46 power. seconds. Um, 
was extremely powerful. Actually feeling the energy of those 10,000 people and seeing yeah. how they all came together for the common goal of supporting human rights and human lives is just unbelievable in the best possible way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. I, I definitely agree. Um, and so it was very, like you said, it was very, uh, very, very powerful. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. to have that sense of solidarity is unexplainable unless you're, you're there. Um, and in that same sense, you know, it was all very like, yeah. we cannot forget we are going through a pandemic. Um, and so everybody was there to make sure, like, don't touch your face wear your mask if you're not wearing it because right the main community that's affected are black and brown people so that was something that we never forgot um but as powerful and beautiful and, and positive as it at what as it was all in the same mm-hmm. same tone we we remembered why we were there yeah also that's really a, sad all at once, a so. weird dichotomy that is kind of difficult to digest um and i i tend to whenever i think about these things force myself to think about the beautiful um encouraging parts like seeing all these people come together but you're right there is a reason why that had to happen and I'm just wondering was there what was the police presence like Mm -hmm. uh during these protests and then how was your mindset what were you thinking after experiencing something in such solidarity like you did with those 10,000 other people to then see what the rest of the world was seeing on the news, which was a completely militarized police state uh, where violence and extreme, you know, terrorism against residents within that area, people peacefully protesting was happening. Like, how, how were you able to digest that? Uh, there were tear gas bombs going off around you. And so when you're not, it, it sounds like a war zone when you're not used to that. You know, and so at first it was like, oh, my gosh, like the police are going to come and attack us because that's what you've seen on the news. Um, But the Portland police were actually live tweeting on Twitter. Just so you know, if you're in Pioneer Square, you're safe. There's rioting happening all around you. um, And those are the people that we're after. Um, But, you know, stay if you as long as you're at Pioneer Square, you're safe. Um, And so that was a little bit crazy to to experience. Um, But then once we left. There, one of the chants that we said as we were leaving is stay together, stay tight, stay together, stay tight. Um, and as we were leaving, I saw no rioting happening, no signs of rioting happening. Um, and it became very evident that the, the evidence that they did have um, from videos of other people mm-hmm. filming it was they were just throwing tear gas at people standing in the street with signs, yelling, chanting stuff, you know, um, and so I didn't personally experience it, but it's, it's what I saw firsthand is the Portland police throwing tear gas at civilians. That just seems a little odd to me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because everybody says that. Um, Portland is liberal and progressive and, and uh, mm. thinks outside of the box, right? But you go 15, yeah. 20 minutes either way out of the city and you're in Trump territory. Um, you know, so... It's, it's very, it's a very concentrated area of people. Um, and the, the uh, politics involved in the city of Portland have been so corrupt for so long. We're actually starting to see it now. 
interesting time for all of this to be happening because the Portland um, police budget uh, was was coming up. Like they were voting on all of this stuff, voting on what to do within the city and and how to allot right. the budget and do all of these things, which is where defund the police came from because this was happening all across, across the country. What people didn't understand and right. what the protests did a very good job of here in Portland was educating the people who pay that budget. And when you're in it, when you're in something that powerful and you understand that these are my streets, I pay for these Mm -hmm. streets, that's my fucking cop car, I pay for that cop car with my taxes, then you get pissed. Six, six percent of the population is, is black in Portland. Like there are not that many black people here. So why is 75 to 76% of the people being arrested in the gang force black? Like explain that to me. So uh, by protesting and educating the people of Portland and where their tax dollars are going, they were actually able to reallocate $15 million of that police budget into other areas and sectors of the, of the economy. Um, And to me personally, I think that's why Trump sent federal agents here is because we were actually in the know about what was going on and we actually made true change. And so I think that's also why, you know, the, the media coverage was, covering it as riots you know Mm -hmm. so people across the country thought oh my god these people in portland are burning down cities and ruining things and and you know wreaking havoc um and it's beyond frustrating it's really important to get a perspective that's outside of mainstream media and is based off of the experiences of real people who are actually there witnessing firsthand things so to just close out here i wanted to know um if you have any suggestions for listeners on what next steps they can take outside of, you know, protesting or just simply saying that they're an ally, if there's any, any wisdom that you can impart on us. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have a ton of wisdom to impart, but what I, what I can share is um, I think that a lot, the, the most impactful, um, mm-hmm. the most impactful thing that we can do is, um, to have the uncomfortable conversations, um, whether that means losing your job, whether that means losing friends, whether that means losing family. Um, those are some sacrifices, I think, as, as Americans, as people who stand for human rights, um, we have to be, be willing to take mm-hmm. to see change. Um, uh, I've, I've done it with a lot of different people. Um, I've done it with friends. I've done it with family. Um, I did it, I've done it with my job and it was very, very uncomfortable. And it was honestly a lot of emotional um, baggage to carry, but those are where I saw the most change. Um, I think something else that's really important too is to use your right to reach out to senators and lawmakers um, that you, that serve you locally and serve you uh, uh, nationally as well yeah. and to sign petitions sign petitions, sign them, sign them, sign them, because they make a change. Um, And last but not least, the most important thing is to vote. That's it. You got to vote. And if you, no matter who you are, where you come from, 99% of us are immigrants. And at some point, and a lot of us are women, and at some point, somebody you loved fought so hard to have the simple right to vote. I love that. That's how I feel like I need a bottle of Ciroc to rock the vote, Diddy style. (laughs) Or you remember all those campaigns back in the day? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me and share your insight and 
wisdom and how you're being a horrible slave to the system right now. Um, I, I appreciate you and value you and your friendship and look forward to, to staying yes. connected and uh, disrupting the system together. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's-